The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Thank you for having me. And let's start with this. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about a background about uh, Al Baghdadi. He took over the leadership of ISIL in like 2010 and helped rebuild the the organization at least for a few years. What what do you know about him? Yeah, I mean, uh, he was uh, obviously was active in Iraq uh, for a long while. I mean, he first founded a jihadist group immediately after the 2003 uh, invasion of Iraq. Um, you know, he was part of the jihadi scene, you know, that was established there by al-Qaeda, um, you know, because the Sunni regime of Saddam Hussein had now fallen, and this was a, a battle against, of course, the Americans who had uh, who had done so. Um, and you mentioned, you know, by 2010, I mean, this guy was already involved with um, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, uh, the al-Qaeda thug uh, under which, you know, uh, Baghdadi was, um, but he was, his name was Ibrahim. Uh, Ibrahim Awad Ibrahim al-Badri. Um, and it's later on in 2010 uh, when the uh, Abu Omar al-Baghdadi, the first pre-ISIS leader, was killed, mm. that he took over and the group ISIS was actually formally named. Um, and then so, of course, you know, in 2013, they go into Syria. Mm-hmm. In early 2014, they're taking over cities like Fallujah and Mosul. And then by mid- mid-2014 is when they declare their so-called caliphate. Yeah, so when Baghdadi was uh, publicly presented as caliph by the by the group, uh, I was reading about it, at the group at the Great Mosque at al Nuray in Mosul in 2014, uh, his right. followers have held him to be the supreme political and so- spiritual leader of all Muslims worldwide. What will his death, <laughs> you know? Good you, luck with that, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, you know, that that belief there and there will be some people, uh, some of his followers that uh, that uh, believe that is is that a pause for concern for um, for for uh, in the possibility of some retaliation in the days and weeks ahead? Yeah, I mean, like these these people are deviants, right? They mm-hmm. subscribe to an extreme form of Islam, which is totalitarian, it's fascist. Uh, you know, you really can't negotiate with people who think everyone should come under their thumb, um, you know, by force, right? Muslims or non-Muslims, doesn't matter. So, you know, this this belief, this ideology that drives these people to even mm-hmm. believe that you need a caliphate, it will continue to give longevity to these people, right? They'll, look, they'll, they'll, you know, they're still getting over the denial bit. You know, they're realizing that he is, in fact, dead. Um, you know, they'll minimize it. And absolutely, one of the courses of action to show that ISIS is still a group without Baghdadi uh, would be revenge and retaliation attacks. So most, you know, security analysts are thinking about that, uh, and it remains to be seen what comes of it. But look, they might also play the long game. Yeah. People forget they still have millions and millions of dollars. Mm. Uh, you know, there are attempts to find their money and whatnot, but they're still very much able to be active and and we'll see. We'll see if they do it, you know, suddenly or if they wait. What does the death of Baghdadi mean for, for ISIS um, in general? Um, is there a known successor? What what would happen there? There is a known successor. I mean, uh, you know, ISIS has a new leader and we have a new target. <laughs> and the U.S. has actually lined up, you know, who they even know to be potential uh, leaderships, right? So the, the middle management, if you will, 
you know, counterterrorism forces, that's kind of what they try to do is they take out uh, that middle management. And they've done that. I mean, a, a huge number of their commanders have been arrested and killed. Uh, it is a blow. It is a severe blow, not just physically, but also psychologically mm-hmm. to them, right? This was their so-called caliph. Um, you know, he was supposed to usher in the, you know, the utopia. And uh, obviously we saw how that fell apart. And he died like a coward in the end. And it's important for your listeners to know that this guy was not a religious scholar. He was not some studious intellectual, whatever. He was a degenerate. He died with three of his kids. He blew himself up. And the irony is, you know, in suicide bombings, the head usually remains intact. Mm. And that's one of the ways that they, they did the DNA, uh, you know, confirmation of the kill. But the punishment in Islam for suicide is to repeat the death over and over. Mm. And so the, in the ultimate irony, Baghdadi gets to behead himself over and over mm. for all eternity. So I think a fitting end moving, uh, to this to this thing. Mubin Sheikh joining me this afternoon. With Baghdadi gone, Mubin, is there a possibility that ISIS may splinter? Um, there's there's talk about um, if Al Qaeda can can play this to their benefit. What do you think on that front? Yeah, this I mean, so Al Qaeda will definitely benefit from this overall in terms of their brand management because they did not go down the the hyper savage line of ISIS, which you know um, lost favor, of course, among populations. Whatever. So Al Qaeda, you know, they presented themselves as fighting Assad and you know for the Syrian people. So they have the legitimacy among a larger group of people. ISIS members could be absorbed into Al-Qaeda, um, but, you know, AQ has been very paranoid about, you know, these ISIS guys because they end up turning on them. Uh, there will still be fighting between AQ and ISIS. And, in fact, one of the reasons why Baghdadi was even in that place near Idlib, I mean, it shocked a lot of people because this was a town where Al-Qaeda was executing mm-hmm. ISIS members that it found. So maybe he was there for talks uh, mm. with some of the Al-Qaeda-linked groups. So this kind of tactical um, agreements on the battlefield, I think, will continue to occur with Al-Qaeda and even you know other groups, or Syrian intelligence. I mean, these guys are, are dirty all along, right? So, so who knows? Uh, who knows? But, but there will continue to be um, movement by ISIS as an independent group that will st- still try to continue to show that they are still a force to be reckoned with. Well, well, Mubin, the fact is, is that there's still vacuums elsewhere, right? There's there, there's places that um, ISIS, Al-Qaeda oh, yeah. are still moving into, and they're pulling um, these 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 terrorists into these areas. I still think of parts, I think, Northern Africa, you know, that sort of thing. I yeah. mean, there's still places in the world for these people. Absolutely, absolutely. You make a good point because we are we've been fixated with their name, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. And remember, of course, you know, completing the timeline by 2014 when they declared their caliphate, they called it Islamic State. So it's not just in Iraq and Syria. It was, of course, is very active in Libya, Northern Africa, Central Africa, Southeast Asia, Afghanistan. The Taliban are fighting ISIS <laughs> now. Um, so they are indeed active all over the place. You will see more of an uptick in these other, um, you know, provinces as it considers them. Indonesia, Southeast Asia, they've they've already been battling, uh, you know, the same kind of ISIS-like groups, uh, you know, Moro Islamic Liberation Front or, or all these other subgroups, which they've already declared, you know, allegiance to ISIS. So ISIS has the money uh, and wherewithal um, to, to, you know, uh, have those places blow up. 
I, I'm going to ask you to speculate here for a second, Moobin, and if you're not comfortable doing it, that's fine as well. But Baghdadi has been, uh, he's hes a bit of an elusive leader. hes He's been the subject of international manhunts for years, has been incorrectly reported dead or injured multiple times. How did they get their man this time? Right. And let me just say, and, and I totally understand the skepticism, you know, news reports which come out and they're not confirmed and everyone wants to kind of announce that Baghdadi was killed. So I can see in this context these, you know, false assessments. Now, number one, I would say the proof is going to be in the fact that he's not going to appear in any videos again. Mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because, of course, after all those other fake claims, he, he kept appearing and it was like, there you go, I'm still alive. So number one, let's see if he appears in any videos. And number two... Uh, this time, there really was a DNA assessment done. Yeah. Um, you know, they, like I said, his head and parts of goop uh, were collected. I think they said that they were going to, you know, burial at sea again, just like Bin Laden. Uh, there's reasons for that. It's really just to get rid of the physical evidence yeah. that they have because they just they don't want people to, you know, to attack the place where they might be holding it or Obviously, there would be no kind of, of grave site uh, yeah, type yeah. thing, whatever. So, so, so overall, so I, I am 100 percent sure that that it has occurred. So overall, just before I let you go moving, because I know you've had a busy day today answering a lot of questions yeah. on this. The overall impact, if we were kind of kind of to, to narrow this down, look at the overall impact of, of his death on the Islamic State, how it is hurt and how maybe the way they, they, they change their business and, and, and the way that they do violence. Yeah. What would that look like? You know, I, I make I give the analogy to like a video game where you have three lives. And two of your lives have been hit already, <laughs> and that's where they are now. They're on their they're on their last leg in in a, in a sense, um, because you know the the imagery of the caliphate has been has been destroyed. Uh, the physical leader, I mean, the so-called caliph himself, has been killed. Um, so uh, I mean, they will have to prove that they are still a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I think that's their strategic decision making and. And so they will continue. It will not throw them off their modus operandi, uh, committing the types of attacks they do. It will have muted them significantly, taking them off online, you know, all this stuff. I mean, people now see that, okay, your group is, is nothing. The Al-Qaeda groups are still alive and kicking. So, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't think it'll change the way they see the world. And the fight goes on. Mm. Oh, gosh. Okay, Mubin Sheikh, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.